Hello, welcome to Industry Reactions. Industry Reactions is a weekly briefing on industry events, changes, and future trends that impact your business. We're your hosts, Rick Oner and Mark Friedel from Chempoint. You can find Industry Reactions on YouTube, LinkedIn, and as a podcast. For those watching on YouTube, make sure to hit that subscribe button, ring that notification bell, and smash that like button. We plan on discussing issues that impact the global industry and help you uncover new opportunities. We hope this will provide market intelligence that will keep you ahead of changing conditions. All right, the first couple stories will reflect back on the industry and how it has been producing lately. Uh, so the U.S. Chemical Production Regional Index fell 2.8% in March, following a 3.9% decline in February and a greater than half a percent increase in January, according to the American Chemistry Council. Uh, this is no surprise as we saw pretty significant uh, uh, disruptions in supply chain due to the winter storms in mid-February, which had a pretty strong impact late February and into a better part of March. And really, we're still seeing some of the lingering effects today. Rick, I don't know if you have any comments about some of the supply disruptions. No surprise in the numbers as far as yeah. uh, the declines in March. Yeah, I know it. there was uh, actually Univar uh, maybe last week or over the weekend had uh, announced or talked about <clears throat> the role or the increasing role within distribution in this uh, in this current period that we're in because of the broad reach, the need for alternative sources, uh, the ability to reach globally and connect buyers with new sources of raw materials. And it's very true, I think. Uh, so even beyond Univar, just distribution in general is really starting to step up and provide more value. Especially when it provides a buffer uh, from an inventory perspective. All right, so the chemical activity barometer. Um, so the CAB, uh, which is a leading economic indicator created by the American Chemistry Council, rose 0.7% in April on a three-month moving average basis following a 1.1% increase in March and a 0.9% gain in February. On a year-over-year -year basis, the barometer rose 12% in April. The latest CAB reading is consistent with solid expansion of commerce, trade, and industry, said Kevin Swift, the, the chief economist at ACC. So yeah, we're starting to see things really coming back, albeit slower than probably most want to see. Yeah, but demand is definitely back. Well, unfortunately, in India, it's a little bit of a different story right now. As most of us, I'm sure, are aware, the country is just being devastated by the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and this is obviously having an impact on petrochemical industry as well. So petrochemical prices are under pretty severe pressure as a sharp resurgence in COVID-19 cases and mobility restrictions across the country reduce demand from key downstream sectors. India, one of the world's largest petrochemical importers, has recorded more than 2 million COVID-19 infection in the last seven days. Gosh, that's incredible. And this is the highest by any country since the pandemic began. Uh, supply chain disruptions and demand contraction have so far resulted in delivery delays, cancellations, and even re-exports. I'm not really sure what a re-export is, but I think we get the picture of... Uh, less material is being moved around in India or into India. Wow, that's really sad to see. Uh, you know, I've, I've looked at quite a few of the images and uh, you start seeing some relief in certain areas of the globe and uh, still a lot of trouble in other areas. 
So on to rail car traffic. So the week ending uh, the 24th of April, chemical rail car traffic in North America increased 16% year over year as loadings in the U.S. continue to surge. Volume was up 5% from the previous week, according to data released by the Association of American Railroads. For the year to date, chemical rail car traffic in North America was down 0.2%, both from 2020 and 2019, versus respective short falls of 1.2% and 0.6% for the week ending 17 April. Another so, good indicator of the demand that uh, um, went away due to some of the winter storms that we saw and a, a pretty big resurgence lately. Yeah, and the, I mean, railroads were a snarl too during the winter storm, so it's it's impacted that uh, <laughs> mode of transportation as well, but it seems like things are really picking up now to make up for that. Yeah, and another indicator, uh, drilling rigs. Uh, some of the numbers have come in recently, and it's nudged up this week, uh, the number of drilling rigs operating nationally in the U.S., um, as oil prices continue to hover and stay above $60 a barrel. I think I saw 65 or nearly 65 this morning. Um, so two rigs were, were added and that brings the total count in the U.S. to 440. And this is according to uh, Baker Hughes and Enverus. Uh, they provide the weekly tallies. Uh, a year ago, this was only 408 rigs. Um, obviously, there was a pretty dramatic decrease last year at this time. Um, this is when we saw prices fall. Um, actually, they're negative at this point last year. So, yeah, there's been a pretty significant resurgence here. All right. So we're going to move on to new product introductions and company announcements. So actually a really cool story. Uh, Philip 66, a very, very traditional um, uh, oil and gas company, um, has secured feedstock for the company's growing portfolio of renewable fuels projects by investing in a new soybean processing plant in Iowa. Uh, the company also recently announced a memorandum of understanding with Southwest Airlines to advance commercialization of sustainable aviation fuel. The company's investment gives it a minority ownership in the Shell Rock soy processing, named after the nearby town in northeast Iowa where it will be built. The plant will yield approximately 4,000 barrels per day of soybean oil. Phillips has agreed to purchase 100% of the plant's soybean oil production that will be used to make renewable fuels. Excuse me. Uh, the company unveiled plans last year to convert its rodeo refinery into one of the world's largest renewable fuels facilities, capable of producing 800 million gallons per year of renewable diesel, renewable gas, gasoline, and sustainable aviation fuel from used cooking oils, fats, greases, vegetable oils, and other feedstocks. So a big, uh, big investment, big change. Never been to Shell Rock, Iowa, but I'm sure it's a lovely town. <laughs> All right, moving on to the, the food industry, flavor and color manufacturer Gold Coast Ingredients is expanding its manufacturing capabilities to the east coast of the U.S. Gold Coast two facilities, including manufacturing and R&D, will still remain in Los Angeles, California, while the company purchases a third facility in Gilbert, Pennsylvania. At its new facility, the company will produce liquid, powder, and spray-dried flavors. Projected to open mid-2021, Gold Coast, Pennsylvania will also have a full quality control lab and application center. 
not too familiar with Gold Coast, but uh, obviously flavors, colors, they're uh, hot topics and building out a control lab and application center will be well received by the industry. Very cool. All right, so on to mergers and acquisitions. So Eastern Chemical announced today that it has acquired 3F Feed and Food in Avila, Spain, <laughs> produced, uh, excuse me, an Avila, Spain-based producer of additives for animal feed and human food. Financial terms weren't disclosed. 3F Feed and Food will become part of Eastman's additives and functional product segment. Included in the acquisition is 3F's product portfolio of food and feed additives, a state-of-the-art production facility located in Avila, Spain, in-house application and development capabilities, and technical service capabilities. Good to see Eastman diversifying into more uh, life science applications such as the food industry. Yeah. All right, and in our final story, it's, it's a bit of a head scratcher for me. Um, Saudi petrochemical company Sabic is to take over the sales and marketing of about of about 5.4 million metric tons per year of Saudi Aramco's chemicals and polymer products. The move will center Sabic's commercial focus on petrochemical products, while Aramco's trading arm will center on fuel products. This is what Sabic said in its most recent earnings, um, its Q1 earnings in April. Uh, the two companies are focusing on selective integration synergies, including in manufacturing, information technology, project management, and sales, according to Sabic. So far, overlaps identified between the two companies could be worth three to four billion USD annually. Uh, a committee has already been established to assemble and oversee the integration of these, um, according to Aramco. Wow. Three to four billion in overlaps. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't fully understand the story uh, um, other than, you know, obviously, uh, Sabic is majority owned by Aramco. And I always kind of wonder how Aramco and the Sadara joint venture, how these portfolios potentially overlap as well. Um, it's uh, it, 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 This one's going to require a little bit deeper of an analysis to understand the, the implications. But it's a big move. Yeah, a really big one. All right. That's it for this week's edition of Industry Reactions. We will return next week with a fresh batch. Until then, stay safe. Take care.